You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. Coming up this hour. Stock teachers rise as we begin a new trading month. Can President Biden deliver on promises to impose higher taxes on big oil? Credit Suisse says the bank is not for sale. We'll talk with the Swiss lenders chairman. And the Fed begins its two-day policy meeting. A salary transparency law takes effect today in New York City. Plus, could the Supreme Court end affirmative action at universities and colleges. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshaw in sports. Much needed win for the Nets. The Browns upset the Bengals. The World Series got rained out. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Amy Morris. I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are moving higher this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 28 points. Dow futures up 167. NASDAQ futures are higher by 102 points. Ten-year Treasury is up 15, 30 seconds. The yield, 3.98%. Yield on the two-year, 4.43%. NYMEX crude is up 1.3% this morning at $87.65 a barrel. Amy? Nathan, stocks enter the first day of November moving higher. If history is any indication, equities may build on October's gains, which saw the S&P 500 rise 8%. Bespoke Investment Group says the S&P 500 has registered an average gain of eight-tenths of a percent in November. Amanda Agati is Chief Investment Officer at PNC Asset Management. We're still playing a little bit of defense. We're still leaning U.S. over international, larger over smaller capitalization. We kind of neutralized our growth and value bets here. Um, but with valuations falling six-plus multiple points since the beginning of the year just on the S&P 500, you have to start getting interested um, in opportunities at these levels. PNC Asset Management's Amanda Agati says markets will rally if the Fed gives a clear message on when rate hikes will end. Well, it's been a big trading day in Asia, Amy. Chinese stocks surged overnight as speculation grows. The government there is making preparations to exit stringent COVID restrictions. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong rose 5 percent, while stocks in China gained 3.6 percent. 
And we continue to see historic profit from oil companies. BP this morning reported its second highest quarterly profit on record and announced $2.5 billion of share buybacks. Bloomberg's Stephen Sabzinski says it's a banner year for big oil. It's really hard to see anyone who is really losing out on this surge in prices. And you've seen it across the board over the last week. You've seen, you know, Shell, Total, Exxon. Yeah, BP is is joining this larger group, not just in Europe and the United States, but you're also seeing this in, you know, Saudi Aramco posted their second best quarterly profit ever. Now, when it comes to Saudi Aramco, Bloomberg's Steven Stepzinski reports the company posted its second highest earnings on record this morning. The results from big oil this quarter are due largely to surging prices at the pump. Yeah, we've also seen record profits from ExxonMobil and Chevron, of course, Amy. They amassed more than $30 billion in combined net income last quarter. And that has President Biden calling on Congress to impose higher taxes on oil companies if they're not reinvesting in production. They don't. They're going to pay a higher tax on their excess profits and face other restrictions. My team will work with Congress to look at these these options that are available to us and others. It's time for these companies to stop war profiteering. But President Biden's promise to impose higher taxes will be hard to deliver. Democrats have unsuccessfully sought a so-called windfall profit tax for more than a decade. Such a proposal would have a hard time passing the Senate in its current makeup. And Nathan, central banks are also in focus this morning. The Fed begins its two-day policy meeting. It is expected to hike rates another 75 basis points. At the same time, Australia's central bank has raised interest rates by a quarter percentage point. It looks like the RBA is pivoting away from larger hikes. That's according to Bloomberg's Garfield Reynolds. It's definitely a pivot for the RBA. The question is whether other central banks are going to be as concerned about the growth side of their mandate uh, as the RBA is signaling that it is. It's still concerned about inflation. It says more hikes are to come. But reading between the lines, its concerns about growth mean that it's not wanting to go more than 25 basis points a time. Bloomberg's chief rates correspondent Garfield Reynolds says the cash rate in Australia now stands at 2.85%. That's the highest level since 2013. In corporate news this morning, Amy, we are focused on Credit Suisse again. The Swiss bank is not for sale. That's what the firm's chairman, Axel Lehman, is saying. After shares have fallen more than 50% this year, he spoke to us in Hong Kong. We are going to, you know, to thrive again. Uh, so we, we don't have any takeover discussions. And at that point, we truly believe we want to stay independent. Credit Suisse chairman Axel Lehman made the comments in an interview with Bloomberg News. Stay tuned for more of that conversation coming up later this hour. And back here in the U.S., the airline and travel recovery continues as the busy holiday season approaches. Delta Air pilots have voted to authorize a strike. Let's get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It gives union leaders the authority to call for a work stoppage once they have gone through steps set by federal labor law. The Delta unit of the Airline Pilots Association says about 99% of pilots who voted approved the proposal. The participation rate among Delta's roughly 15,000 pilots was 96%. While aviators must follow steps set by the Railway Labor Act and can't randomly walk off the job, the strength 
strength of the vote represents Pilots' view about the lack of progress in negotiations. In New York, Charlie Pallet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Charlie, thanks. In another note on the airline industry, for the first time since COVID cut air travel, U.S. airline passenger traffic's been running above 2019 levels. Just over 15 million people went through TSA security portals in the past seven days. That's about 39,000 more than in 2019. And on the political front, the midterm elections are set for a week from today, which means a policy change from Twitter. The social media company has frozen some employee access to internal tools used for content moderation and other policy enforcement, curbing the staff's ability to clamp down on misinformation ahead of the election. Bloomberg News has learned most people who work in Twitter's trust and safety organization are currently unable to alter or penalize most accounts that break rules around misleading information, offensive posts, and hate speech. Futures are higher. This is Bloomberg. Five oh seven on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. A salary transparency law takes effect today in New York City. It requires most companies in the nation's largest job market to include minimum and maximum salary ranges when they post job openings. The law supporters say it intends to close the pay gap for women and people of color, but critics argue it will do just the opposite. The Supreme Court kicked off hearing arguments over affirmative action at universities. Conservative groups have sued both Harvard University and the University of North Carolina, claiming that their admissions processes aren't fair to white or Asian applicants. The court's three liberal justices cast a doubt on whether race is the sole indicator in admissions processes. Attorney Patrick Strawbridge represents students for fair admissions in the UNC case and says that race should only be used in a broader context of an application. Racial classifications are wrong. That principle was enshrined in our law at great cost following the Civil War. Justice Elena Kagan countered. The race is part of the culture, and the culture is part of the race, isn't it? I mean, that's slicing the bologna awfully thin. Meanwhile, conservative justices have been casting doubt on whether the affirmative action programs are needed. A correction officer inside Rikers Island was injured after being stabbed over a dozen times. The New York City Department of Corrections says it happened yesterday afternoon. The officer is said to be in stable condition at Elmhurst Hospital. Court documents say the man accused of entering the San Francisco home of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi wanted to break her kneecaps. The Speaker was not home. Police say 42-year-old David Pop attacked her husband, Paul Pelosi. Meanwhile, Democratic Congresswoman Debbie Dingell of Michigan discussed the attack on Paul Pelosi and heightened tensions over political rhetoric and violence. She referred to recent Elon Musk tweets on Pelosi. The conspiracy theories are also adding to this and putting kerosene on, and people believe it. So, yeah, you know what? I will go after somebody. I think the new owner of Twitter's got some responsibilities, too, and was horrified that he would participate in some of this conspiracy theories that has no fact to it, no truth to it. Congresswoman Dingell spoke on Sound On, which airs at 5 p.m. on Bloomberg. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. 
It's 5.10 on Wall Street. Time now for the Sports Report brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Amy. The Brooklyn Nets have become somewhat of a soap opera, and very often it has to do with Kyrie Irving. Seems as if it's always something with Kyrie. The latest was his posting on social media of a link to an anti-Semitic video. It's also the team's early season performance. One in five record, worst defense in the NBA. So a much needed win at Barclays. 116 to 109 over Indiana. Kyrie scored 28 points. Kevin Durant had 36. Milwaukee won again. The Bucks are 6 and 0. The Monday night game, an upset win for Cleveland. 32 to 13 over Cincinnati. The Browns led 25 to nothing in the fourth quarter. NFL trade deadline, 4 o'clock today. Giants could be looking for a wide receiver. Jets wide out. Elijah Moore has asked to be traded. No quarterback change for the Jets. Despite Zach Wilson's three interceptions and the loss of the Patriots, the Jets coach, Robert Salah. I've got full confidence in Zach. We all do. Um, um, you know, it's not like he hasn't had bad games before. And he stepped up and, and has followed up with good days. So, you know, with the way he preps and the way he practices and, and the questions he asks, uh, we've got faith that he'll continue, continue to find ways to get better. The Jets have a tough one Sunday against 6-1 and one Buffalo. College football, Auburn fired coach Brian Harson. So he didn't finish the second season of a six-year contract. They'll owe him about $15 million. They're also still paying the previous coach. World Series resumes tonight in Philadelphia after last night's rainout. The Phillies have changed their Game 3 starter. Out is the ex-Met Noah Syndergaard. In is Ranger Suarez. The Astros are sticking with Lance McCullers. The World Series is tied at one. John Stash, that one, Bloomberg Sports, Amy. All right, thank you, John. Futures are higher. S&P futures up by 25 points. Dow futures 152 points higher. NASDAQ futures higher by almost 92 points. Much more ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Stocks and futures are rallying. The dollar and treasury yields are falling as investors await the Federal Reserve's policy meeting. It kicks off today. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are up 26 points. Dow futures up 161. NASDAQ futures are higher by 96 points. The 10-year treasury is up 16, 30 seconds. The yield at 3.98%. Yield on the two-year, 4.43%. NYMEX crude is higher by 8 tenths percent or 72 cents at $87.25 a barrel. COMEX gold is up a half percent or $8.10 at 164880 an ounce. The euro is uh, trading at 0.9916 against the dollar. British pound 1.1518. The yen is at 147.69. 10 a.m. Wall Street time. We get Jolt's job openings and ISM manufacturing data. Nearly 50 companies on the S&P 500 index report earnings today. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now with more on what's going on around the world, here's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The Supreme Court heard arguments in cases challenging the consideration of a student's race in college admissions. The cases involving Harvard and the University of North Carolina could end affirmative action at public and private schools across the country. Airline passenger traffic in the U.S. has been running above the comparable levels of 2019. The TSA says it's the first time that's happened since COVID-19 dramatically cut air travel. 
They'll try to make up Game 3 of the World Series in Philadelphia. Last night's Phillies and Astros game was postponed because of rain. In the NBA, the Nets won. The Wizards lost. In the NHL, the Capitals lost in a shootout with the Hurricanes 3-2. The Browns beat the Ravens 32-13 in Monday Night Football. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 520 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Now, for months, the White House has been calling on oil companies to invest more in oil production. Bloomberg data show the biggest companies like Exxon, Shell and Chevron are handing a lot of that money over to shareholders and just reinvesting only a fraction of their windfall. Now, President Biden has announced his plan to raise taxes on oil companies that record those windfall profits without reinvesting the money back into production. We're joined now by the founder of Pangea Policy, Terry Haynes. It's going to help us make sense of it all. Terry, thank you for taking the time with us this morning. First of all, the president's also going to need congressional support to do this. Is he going to get it? Good morning, Amy. Uh, no, he's not. Uh, this, you know, this strikes me politically above all as uh, kind of what uh, soccer fans call an own goal. Uh, you know, the, the president may, may have been talking about this off and on for uh, for a while, but he touts his major legislative achievement this year as being the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, something with which you know he he wasn't so much involved as. Uh, Leader Schumer and Senator Manchin were, and you know that was the windfall profits tax is not only nowhere in that bill, but it's uh, was not even discussed at that particular time. Uh, so what it seems uh, what it seems like is a situation where uh, you know they, they pull out this uh, windfall profits tax narrative whenever they think convenient politically, uh, but they're not actually committed to it at all. And you know, and frankly, I think voters are going to wonder why. So. Well, not just that, but I'm wondering if it's too little too late. I mean, we are eyeball deep in the midterm season. Some places are already holding early voting in their district. So is this coming way too little, way too late? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, uh, you know, the, this line might have had some public resonance six or more months ago. And uh, if you, as a communications device, uh, allowed it to develop and, you know, you, you make your case and try to bring the public with you, and that's probably how you bring Congress with you. But uh, but that's not that's not happening. And the the other thing I would mention briefly is that, you know, the the Biden legislative achievements, whatever else they are, uh, generally have not featured uh, Biden's direct involvement. As I say, the Inflation Reduction Act was much more of a mansion product. And president uh, was told the White House was told by the bipartisan people developing the infrastructure bill, frankly, to stay out of negotiations. I mean, that was publicly known at the time. So. Uh, you've got a White House here who has no persuasive ability to actually bring the Congress along with them and, you know, certainly not going to bring a lame duck Congress of, of, along. And next year's is uh, whether it's a whether it's Republican majorities or a split Congress is not is not a Congress that's going to do anything about this or react to, to Biden's proposals at all. Did you get the impression that the president is sort of holding his own party accountable for not doing this sooner? Because Democrats have been pushing for this for months. Well, exactly. Uh, you know, I, one reason I, I, I think of it as an own goal is, you know, it, it is 
I'm not sure the White House understands the optics of this, frankly. Uh, mm-hmm. What it looks like is the president blaming his own congressional party for not getting uh, for not getting something done. Uh, I don't think that's a good look, and it certainly uh, it certainly undermines the seriousness of what he says he wants, but it undermines the seriousness of Biden and Democrats politically. If they I mean if they're not on all fours and can't get anything done now, I, you know why why vote for them? To be blunt, but. What would this then mean for the other business of government? Now, Congress isn't going to be coming back until after uh, the midterms are over with, but they still have spending bills they have to work on. They have the budget. They have all sorts of other issues that are on their plate. Is this going to, I don't know, throw a a little smoke up in the air and cause some confusion or cause them to be able to – things to to actually grind to an even slower halt is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, well, no, I I think you're absolutely right that the – the, the the last business of this Congress, which will happen you know, after Thanksgiving and into December, is trying to come up with uh, uh, fiscal year 2023 spending bills. Uh, in English, what that means is that the government will be three months behind on its own fiscal spending for this year, and we'll try to come up with uh, full-year spending bills. I never thought they'd be able to do that before the end of the year for a variety of reasons. I mean, they, they just don't seem ready. There's uh, There's squawking back and forth about whether or not they can uh, add some debt limit, debt ceiling uh, language to it. Uh, this was already going to get kicked into uh, with temp- with another temporary spending bill, get kicked into 2023 in the new Congress, and that was even that's even more likely with this windfall profits tax uh, value. All right, Terry Haynes, founder of Pangea Policy, I want to thank you for your perspective on this, and of course, we're going to keep watching it with you particularly as the midterms come right around the corner. S&P futures 27 points higher, Dow futures higher by 165 points, NASDAQ futures uh, 103 points higher. Much more still to come on Bloomberg Daybreak. Stay with us on this Tuesday morning. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by the New York Community Trust. Your name will live on as a champion of the causes you care about for years to come through a charitable bequest to the New York Community Trust. Learn more at philanthropist.nyc. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And it's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. I'm Amy Morris. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Imagine your asset management firm's operational infrastructure as a competitive advantage. Let SEI show you how at SEIC.com slash IMS. And we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. futures are higher to start the week as investors gear up for this week's Fed meeting and the October jobs report. The Fed especially is front and center, according to Bloomberg macro strategist Vince Signorella. The Fed may pivot sooner than expected. I think that's what the markets are hoping for, some indication that the Fed acknowledges that their work is uh, starting to find its way through to the economy, specifically in housing, as we saw last week, pending home sales down over 30 percent on a month-over-month basis. That's what the market's hoping for. Bloomberg's Vince Signorella says markets will respond negatively if the Fed does not forecast easing monetary policy in the near future. 
Expectations are for the Fed to raise rates 75 basis points tomorrow, followed by 50 in December. Meantime, in Australia, the central bank hiked interest rates today by just a quarter percentage point, sparked bets that the RBA is pivoting away from large hikes. Well, it has been a big day in Asia, Amy. Chinese stocks surged overnight as speculation grows. The government's making preparations to exit COVID restrictions. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong rose 5 percent, while stocks in China gained 3.6 percent. And Nathan, we're also seeing historic profits from big oil. Saudi Aramco and BP posted their second highest quarterly earnings this morning. That's after record profit from Exxon and Chevron. It has President Biden calling on Congress to impose higher taxes on big oil. Rather than increasing our investments in America or giving American consumers a break, their excess profits are going back to their shareholders and they're buying back their stocks. So the executive pays are going to skyrocket. Give me a break. Enough is enough. But President Biden's promise to impose higher taxes will be hard to deliver. Democrats have unsuccessfully sought a windfall profit tax for more than a decade. In corporate news this morning, Amy, we are talking Credit Suisse again. Chairman Axel Lehman tells us the Swiss bank is not for sale. We figured out where we need to go, and we took some bold and really very important decisions for the group. And it's now really about looking forward and to execute that plan. Credit Suisse Chairman Axel Lehman made the comments in an interview with Bloomberg, and you can hear more of that conversation shortly here on Bloomberg Daybreak. And a travel note, U.S. airline passenger traffic has now passed pre-pandemic levels. Just over 15 million people went through TSA over the past week, now higher than the same time in 2019. And futures are higher, Amy. S&P futures are up 30 points. Dow futures up 181. NASDAQ futures higher by 113. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Thank you, Nathan. It's 533 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. A salary transparency law takes effect today in New York City. It requires most companies to include salary ranges when they post a job opening. Supporters say it's intended to close the pay gap for women and people of color, but critics argue it will do just the opposite. Maria Colacursio is CEO of Syndio, a company that makes software to analyze pay equity. As a company, if you have a philosophy of start low, stay low, or pay top dollar to the best negotiator, that's going to very quickly catch up with you from a pay equity and median pay gap perspective. A recent study found women are paid 73 cents on the dollar compared to men. A deeply divided Supreme Court has heard arguments that could end affirmative action policies at universities. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The conservative majority suggesting a readiness to abolish the practice. Chief Justice John Roberts. I don't see how you can say that the program will ever end. Your position is that race matters because it's necessary for diversity, which is necessary for the sort of education you want. It's not going to stop mattering. The affirmative action proponents at North Carolina and Harvard arguing that the policies ensure diversity. Justice Clarence Thomas said he doesn't even know what diversity means in this context. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Federal prosecutors say the man accused of attacking Paul Pelosi, the husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, told police he wanted to hold the Speaker hostage and break her kneecaps. David DePop has been charged with two federal crimes and a state count of attempted murder. Fans wearing fight anti-Semitism shirts occupied some courtside seats at the Brooklyn-Indiana game last night, days after Nets guard Kyrie Irving tweeted out a link to a documentary film that includes anti-Jewish tropes. 
Irving deleted the tweet Sunday after a huge outcry, including criticism from that Sona Joe side. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy? All right. Thank you, Michael. It's 535 on Wall Street. Time now for the Sports Report, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. All right, Amy, thanks. Nets and Pacers, as we just heard, they played a home-and-home, finished up at Barclays. Indiana won the other night, and that was the Nets' fourth loss in a row. And in three of them, they allowed at least 125 points. At Barclays, the Nets blew much of a 25-point lead, but they held on, beat the Pacers 116-109, just the second win of the season for Coach Steve Nash. That was the message uh, after the game. That was the message on film this morning. That was the message in, in uh, our walkthrough. Um, you know, we, we had a disastrous defensive game uh, Saturday night, and so the guys responded. Proud of them. You know, the, the effort, energy. Uh. There were several. Uh, Kevin Durant led the Nets with 36 points. Kyrie Irving, 28. As the Nets ended their four-game losing streak, so did the Cleveland Browns. They upset the Bengals 32-13. to Nick Chubb, 100 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Amari Cooper, 132 yards receiving. He scored a TD, and the Browns had five sacks. So Baltimore now has sole possession of first AFC North, and the Ravens just acquired linebacker Roquan Smith from Chicago. Smith leads the entire NFL in tackles. We'll see what happens today. NFL trade deadline at 4 o'clock. Tonight we hear for the first time from the college football playoff committee. They will unveil their rankings. This week's AP poll has Georgia and Tennessee ranked 1-2, and they meet Saturday in Athens. Michigan State suspended four football players for their involvement in a postgame brawl the other night at Michigan. Criminal charges could be coming. Phillies and Astros, Game 3 of the World Series tonight. Last night's rainout means Game 5 will now be Thursday, and if the series is still, still going Friday, we'll be in off. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports, Amy. All right, thank you, John. It's 537 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report. And with that, here is Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. A judge is blocking Penguin Random House's more than $2 billion acquisition of rival Simon & Schuster. The federal judge agreed with the Justice Department that the merger would lessen competition. Penguin Random House's owner, Bertelsman, plans to appeal. Manhattan-based Vornado Realty Trust reporting a drop in third-quarter profit, but it still beat estimates by some measures. Connecticut's XBO is spinning off its truck brokerage unit today. The Greenwich-based logistics business is one of the world's largest freight transporters, the RXO unit being spun off today makes a spot market in matching available trucks with loads. And business is revving at Parsippany, New Jersey-based Avis. Avis budget reporting earnings that beat even the highest estimates, and that's thanks to a travel rebound, especially overseas. Even so, Avis could be vulnerable now to falling used car prices as it depreciates the value of its fleet. With the Tri-State Business Report, I'm Denise Pellegrini. Thank you, Denise. It is 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KRLD in Dallas. Airline passenger traffic has surged past 2019 levels. 
I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that Boeing has defeated a pilot's suit for lost wages after the 737 MAX crashes. I'm Jeff Bellinger, and on WIOD in Miami, I'm reporting Florida has been dethroned on the annual list of best places to retire from U.S. News and World Report. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on BP announcing a $2.5 billion share buyback as it reports more bumper profits. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. The migrants known as dreamers who were brought to the U.S. as children have long lived under the threat of deportation. With the midterms looming, lawmakers may not get another chance to protect them. The DACA program allows these undocumented immigrants to study and work legally in the U.S. DACA households pay billions in taxes, but still lack clarity about their legal status. An impending court ruling could immediately revoke some enrollees' right to work, which would be devastating for businesses, too. The House has already passed a bill that would shield DACA recipients from deportation and given them a path to citizenship. A bipartisan effort in the Senate would do much the same. The drama has gone on far too long for the dreamers and the families who live in fear. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures up by 32 points, Dow futures up 196, NASDAQ futures up 121. This is Bloomberg. The Bloomberg Sports Report was brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. This update's brought to you by SEI. Asset managers don't get results that are off the charts and their solutions are off the shelf. Learn how SEI's operating platform can turn infrastructure into a competitive advantage at SEIC.com slash tech. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg and futures are moving higher. S&P futures up 31 points. Dow futures up 188. NASDAQ futures higher by 120 points. Ten-year treasuries up 22. 30 seconds, the yield 3.95%. And NYMEX crude is up 1.3% at $87.63 a barrel. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. The Supreme Court heard arguments involving Harvard and the University of North Carolina that could end the affirmative action process in college admissions. Former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu cast his vote in Jerusalem. Israelis are voting in their fifth parliamentary election in less than four years. They'll try to make up Game 3 of the World Series in Philadelphia. It rained out between the Phillies and Astros last night. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy.
All right. Thank you, Michael. It's 548 on Wall Street. We're now going to bring you our interview with Credit Suisse Chairman Axel Lehman. Any bargain hunters hoping to snap up Credit Suisse may find themselves getting short shrift in Zurich. Lehman spoke exclusively with Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann, saying that although its stock is down yet again, the lender is not open to takeover discussions. He talked about the firm's plans moving forward and how he hopes to ease concerns over stability. A lot of questions about whether Credit Suisse is now a takeover target. Would you be open to any kind of takeover offers, given some might find your share price quite attractive right now? No. Look, we clearly have said this is a fantastic franchise. You should not forget. It has 166 years of legacy. We have fantastic businesses, the wealth management business, the Swiss uh, business. We have asset management. So this is the core of the group, and uh, we are going to, you know, to thrive again. Uh, so we, we don't have any takeover discussions, and at that point, we truly believe we want to stay independent. You speak about wealth management, which has always been your historic strength. Um, it seems to be now some investors that are still quite nervous about the stability of, of the bank. Many are holding off from bringing in new money, business with Credit Suisse, until you have your house in order. What happens if those clients don't come back meaningfully before 2025? No, look, first of all, yes, there were a lot of rumors about uh, Credit Suisse uh, that was spreading uh, the word. That was really, I think, unfounded. You look to our liquidity ratios, look to the balance sheet strengths, and now even more so as we strengthen the balance sheet. And you clearly saw the reaction, which was one of the key objectives of the announcement, was that, you know, 81 spread CDS spreads came significantly down. So that's a very strong signal of comfort. There was a significant amount of outflows the first two weeks of October. The firm has said that things have stabilized, uh, but not quite reversed. Are, are you expecting those outflows to reverse? Yes, they will reverse. It's true, beginning of October, with that social media storm, we had uh, outflows that has clearly stabilized. We even see some inflows coming, and I would anticipate that we will have further inflows in the weeks and months to come. It seems like you're exiting out of businesses where maybe where profits were coming from. What's the logic in cutting, cutting, cutting? Going forward, Credit Suisse is a really a wealth management-centric franchise centered around entrepreneurs, wealthy clients, and we don't need, you know, that type of businesses that are quite isolated from the rest of the group. As you know, we are in exclusive discussions with uh, Apollo and with PIMCO, so I'm highly confident that over the next week we will come to agreement. What about for the asset management side? Is there a sale or parts of it? No, that were right all, now? these were all rumors. You know, we are the wealth manager and, you know, asset management goes very well uh, alongside. We need to have a, and we are a multi-specialist asset management, so we don't need to be the, the, the biggest globally, but we need to have those capabilities that we need also from a product and product provider perspective for our wealth management clients and for institutional clients. This restructuring is being funded by a new investor, the Saudis. There are some questions being raised around the Swiss government in allowing this sort of stake, just given the Saudis' human rights record. How do you address those sort of geopolitical conflicts? First of all, we are very happy uh, that we have an investor like the Saudi National Bank. It's a private institution. And I think, uh, uh, you know, this is also a region that is, that is growing, a sprawling uh, region. So we are very happy that we could really uh, secure that type of investment into, uh, you know, what they believe is a great franchise, Credit Suisse. In terms of just the year that you've had, uh, you joined in January. Uh, what, how has it been for you uh, as a chairman? 
in dealing with all this? No, look, when I took over, I joined the board of Credit Suisse a, a year ago, first as the chair of the risk committee, and then uh, you know, I took over as the chairman in January. It was quite busy, as you can imagine. You no, know, 2022, last year, was a, a, a nightmare year for Credit Suisse. The whole banking industry had super results, and we had our biggest loss ever, uh, five trillion. So you can imagine that that keeps a very, very business. We had just too many shortcomings uh, in, in, in the past. Uh, you know, call it too many crises as well. They were all popping up. So it was some two very, very challenging years for the group. And yeah, but you know, I'm on one hand also excited about the progress uh, we are making with a, a, a new board, a new CEO, the executive board is largely new. I think we refined the strategy. We addressed some of the core issue that Credit was facing since the grand financial crisis in really repositioning the organization, making clear that the Swiss business wealth management, the multi-specialist asset management, this is at the core of the franchise with obviously special access to capital market capabilities. I think we figured out where we need to go and we took some bold and really very important decisions for the group and it's now really about you know looking forward and to execute that plan. Credit Suisse Chairman Axel Lehman speaking with Bloomberg's Yvonne Mann in Hong Kong. You can catch the full interview on Bloomberg.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal. Nathan. All right, Amy, thank you. We're coming up to 554 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Brief brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. The Supreme Court's conservative majority has suggested they're ready to abolish the use of race in university admissions during oral arguments in cases challenging affirmative action programs at the University of North Carolina and at Harvard College. Opponents of affirmative action are seeking to overturn the court's 2003 Grutter v. Bollinger decision. That reaffirmed that universities can consider race in admissions to bolster campus diversity. Justices were divided down ideological lines on the question of affirmative action. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Audrey Anderson, head of the higher education practice at Bassberry and Sims. Coming into this argument, most legal experts thought that affirmative action was on the cutting block. Did anything in the oral arguments indicate otherwise? No, not really. The only little asterisk I put on that is, you know, there were a lot of questions, June, about this. 25-year deadline of sorts. Language in the Grutter case where Justice O'Connor, who wrote the majority opinion, said it was the court's expectation that affirmative action would not be necessary in 25 years. And there were a lot of questions to both sides about what does that mean? What should we make of that? And at one point, Justice Barrett said, well, you know, it's not 25 years yet. That was the kind of only ray of sunshine I saw (laughs) if you were a supporter of affirmative action, that maybe she would think about, well, we should let it hang in there for a few more years. Other than that, I didn't hear anything that made me think that we'll get any decision other than an overruling of Grutter. Are the challengers here sort of swinging for the fences? Do they want no reference at all to race in the college admissions process? Well, that's where it's interesting. They want college admission systems to be colorblind, not race conscious. I was actually a little bit encouraged, frankly, to hear so many members of the court agreeing 
that if Carter's overruled, universities could take into account race if an applicant brought it up in their essay. I've been very afraid that the next step that students for fair admissions and others like them would take would be to say that colorblind means colorblind. That if somebody talks about race, the university really cannot consider it at all. Almost like you'd have to first have a clean team go through the applications and redact anything that had race in it. And I'm so not sure we won't see that if Grutter's overturned. But, you know, the court here was saying, well, no, it's it's not going to be that crazy. What we're saying is not that crazy, everybody. I think that's where they were going with these questions. And that was Audrey Anderson, head of the higher education practice at Bassberry and Sims, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grossa. You can catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLawGo. Right now, futures are moving higher as the Fed gets ready to begin its two-day policy decision-making meeting. S&P futures are up 33 points. Dow futures up 198, and NASDAQ futures are on the rise by 124 points. Ten-year Treasury is up 21.30 seconds. The yield 3.95%. Yield on the two-year 4.41%. NYMEX crudes higher by 1.3% or $1.11 at $87.64 a barrel. COMEX gold up 8 tenths percent or $12.60 at $16.53.30 an ounce. And the uh, euro right now is trading at 0.9930 against the dollar. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.